0: ebony and welcome to the film podcast a podcast that brings you movie reviews and media deep dives into horror and much much more this is the conjuring classics a deep dive series based on the notorious paranormal investigators the warrens and the infamous investigations now known as the famous film franchise the conjuring universe but is what we see on the screen the truth or mere fiction for ratings It's this question and others I hope to answer within this series. So grab your popcorn, a plushie and a drink as we deep dive The Conjuring Classics. This is episode 2, The Conjuring, or also known as The Perrin Family. Warning, spoilers ahead. The Conjuring Film The Conjuring Film takes place in 1971, and follows Roger and Carolyn Perilin when they move into a farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, with their five daughters Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy and April. Upon arrival, their dog Sadie refuses to enter the house. A minor mishap during a game of hide-and-seek results in the discovery of the boarded-up entrance to an unknown cellar. Paranormal events occur within the first few nights, and every clock in the house stops at 3.07am. Carolyn awakens with additional large bruises, every morning. One day Sadie is found dead in the yard. Carolyn and Christine both encounter a malevolent spirit. Carolyn contacts the Warrens who meet with her and agree to conduct an initial investigation during which Lorraine, a clairvoyant, sees the dark forces have latched onto the parent family. She explains that leaving the house will not set them free and to gather evidence they place cameras and bells around the house with the help of their assistant Drew Thomas and police officer Brad Hamilton. Further research reveals that the house once belonged to an accused witch named Bathsheba Sherman, who sacrificed her weak old baby to the devil and killed herself in 1863 at 3.07 in the morning after proclaiming her love of Satan and cursing all who took her land. There are reports of numerous murders and suicides through the years in the houses that were built on the property. One morning Bathsheba appears to Caroline and fully possesses her that night, the group hears the spirit lurking, Cindy into the wardrobe, where she reveals a secret passage. Lorraine enters the passage and falls down to the cellar, where she sees the spirit of a woman whom Bathsheba had possessed long ago, and used to kill her child. Bathsheba attacks Nancy, the incident is caught on camera. The Warrens conclude it is sufficient evidence to receive authorization from the Catholic Church to perform an exorcism. But Father Gordon explains that approval would have to come directly from the Vatican because the Perrin family are not members of the Catholic Church. The Warrens' daughter Judy is attacked in the Warren home by Bathsheba. The Perrin family takes refuge at a motel, but Carolyn takes Christine and April back to the house to kill them. Ed Lorraine and Brad find Carolyn in the cellar trying to stab Christine. Lorraine warns that if they take Carolyn outside the house, Bathsheba will kill her. They tie Carolyn to a chair and Ed attempts the exorcism himself, though Carolyn escapes and attempts to kill April. Lorraine is able to call her by reminding her of a special memory she shared with her family, allowing Ed to complete the exorcism, lift Bathsheba's curse, and condone her back to hell. Returning to his home, Ed adds the haunted music box from the Perrin home to the room of cursed artefacts that they have collected from past cases as he leaves the music box starts playing on its own. This is the story that you may have seen on the big screens but how much really happened? What is the true story and could it possibly be more sinister than the story told on screen? Let's deep dive. The Perrin family. In search of a quiet life, real life Roger and Carolyn Perrin bought an the Old Arnold Estate in Rhode Island. A 200-acre property originally built in 1736 assumed like an idyllic location to raise five children. According to Andrea Parent, the oldest daughter, the family noticed something was off about the property from the moment they stepped foot on it. The seller, who didn't disclose any of the location's sordid history of rape, murder and suicide, left the family with one warning as he dropped off the keys. Leave the lights on at night. Mid an icy snowstorm, they were welcomed to a house that creaked, slammed and whispered at night. Andrea Perrin was the only girl to have her own room. Nancy and Christine shared one, while Cindy and April shared another. However, come night, Andrea's sisters would come crying into her bed, terrified. Eight-year-old Cindy sobbed to Andrea that she heard a repeated whisper in her room saying again and again that there are seven dead soldiers in the walls. The house was, according to the family, lousy with spirits. One kept them awake at night crying "Mamma." another the girls made friends with called Manny. Over the decade the family lived at the house. The Warrens came over to investigate many times, once performing a seance on Carolyn that, according to Andrea, caused her mother to speak in tongues and levitate. It wasn't until 1980 that they were able to sell the house and move out. Members of the Perrin family still attest to enduring a decade of horrors in the old Arnold house in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Andrea Perrin published a three part memoir entitled House of Darkness, House of Light. Andrea details incidents such as the stink of rotting fish, a disturbing presence in the basement, and the girls' beds hovering off the ground. The parents lacking enough finances to move to another house. The parents lacking enough finances to move to another house wasn't just a dramatic plot device, the real life family had no recourse except to stay despite these disturbing events. Fact vs Fiction In the case of The Conjuring it's one of the few films the family it's based off stands behind. Still to this day, the family insists the occurrences are real, and they endured ten years of fear. Let's take a look into some of the details that have been made public, and where artistic liberty has been used for the films. 1. The Sisters Bond Before moving into the farmhouse, the parent girls were five close sisters who were kind to each other. However, with their toys shifting around to different rooms when they weren't looking, suspicions and accusations began to creep into their minds. The sisters started fighting with each other and their mother had to intervene and tell them to stop. That's when Cindy, the second younger sister, decided that she would share her toys with the kids who were visiting her in the bedroom and playing with her toys. At first, the children believed that the ghosts that were obviously walking around the house were kind of benevolent, or at least harmless. The spirits served as playmates and even babysitters, and the children enjoyed their company. The girls even claimed that the ghost tucked them in at night and kissed them on their foreheads. Cynthia said, when we first moved into the house, for the first two months there was a woman that came and kissed me every night on the forehead that I thought was my mother. Andrea, her sister said, Mum smelled like ivory soap and the spirits smelled like flowers and fruit. 2. When good turns evil The parent children didn't think much of living in a home with good spirits. They would go out and enjoy a family day and not think anything of their interdimensional life back at home, where they lived in between the physical world and the spirit world. When they began to speak out about their experiences 30 years later, they had even a fondness for their benevolent yet ghostly roommates. However, their parents were aware that something was profoundly amiss and were experiencing something more sinister. Their father would open the front door and be overwhelmed by a putrefying smell they didn't know how to talk to their mother about what was going on, but something was apparently beginning to trouble, if not torment her. Soon the benevolent ghosts that the children had become accustomed to were replaced with the evil spirits. One day Sid- One day, Cindy said to Andrea that a disembodied voice was telling her about seven bodies that were buried in the wall. They later came to find out about the number of people who had died either in the house or on the property both people who lived there and people who were just passing through. Before too long, the family would be awakened every morning at 5.15 by an overwhelming smell of rotting flesh. Andrea claimed that the malevolent male spirit tortured the five little girls, but she refused to provide any details of the horror. Number 3. The Spirit of Bathsheba Carol the family's matriarch was the one who seemed to experience the worst aspects of the haunting at the Rhode Island farmhouse. Shortly after the family moved there, she claimed that there was, she was visited at night by a woman in grey, whose head was hanging at her side. The woman told her to leave, or she would be driven out with the doom and gloom. After consulting with the demonologist, Adam Lorraine Warren, she became convinced that the woman haunting her was the ghost of Bathsheba Thea. Bathsheba Thea lived in the farmhouse in the 19th century and had four children, three of whom died. She was accused of sacrificing an infant by Satan, or to Satan, by stabbing it in the back of the neck with a knitting needle, though the evidence could not be held up in court. When Carolyn received a mysterious stab wound in her leg that seemed to be similar to the one that killed the infant, Lorraine Warren suggested that Bathsheba had taken her knitting needles to the grave and was using them in the hauntings. Andrea Perrin said in an interview, whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be mistress of the house, and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position. Number 4. The Possession Bathsheba Thayer's haunting at the house allegedly began as harmless poltergeist activity. The family members might find themselves prodded, poked, or pinched. Objects would be mysteriously moved from one place to another. Much was attributed to the friendly ghouls until things got much, much worse. The local law says that Bathsheba Thea was a witch, who made a pact with the devil in which she was granted youthful beauty, but at a high cost. She was turned into stone upon her death. As a ghost, she was condemned to torture people, possibly out of jealousy for beauty that could never be again hers. Enter Carolyn Perrin, a beautiful woman and the wife of Roger Perrin, Andrea believed that Bathsheba wanted Roger and was prepared to do anything to get him. Carolyn claimed that Bathsheba tormented her both emotionally and physically, as if the ghost was actually possessing her. She claimed that Bathsheba stabbed her in the leg with a knitting needle and was continually hiding things, making her feel as if she was going insane. At the least, she always felt drained. Roger, on the other hand, only saw Bathsheba's sweeter side, the loving caresses and innuendos. 5. Contacting the Warrens In the movie, Carolyn contacts Ed and Lorraine Warren to see if anything could be done about the hauntings occurring at the house. The woman was desperate to relieve the family of the horror that was unfolding. However, in real life, it was the family friend, not Carolyn, that brought them into the story. They were in nearby Connecticut where they were working on other cases of paranormal activity. Andrea said, we never actually contacted the Warrens. Our friend Barbara went to see them in Putnam because they did things all around the area. They were informed about us and the Warrens immediately decided that they were going to investigate. Perhaps the reason why Carolyn herself didn't contact the Warrens is that she was afraid that no one would listen to her. Reportedly when they came to visit she was ecstatic that someone believed her and might try to help. Why didn't the father, Roger, try to contact the Warrens or anybody else? Because for a long time into the family's nightmare, he simply didn't believe it was real. In fact, the girls claimed that at first Roger was actually unhappy about somebody else being brought into the situation. Number 6. Making it worse. In the movie, the Warrens successfully exercised the house and cleaned it of all the evil spirits. However, the parents claimed that the Warrens didn't do anything to make the ghosts leave. In fact, they made everything less. The Warrens began by talking to each other of the, f- the family members about what happened. They later conducted a seance with the parents in the basement of the home. Lorraine never talked publicly about what happened during the ritual, but she was clearly disturbed by some of the things she saw. Andrea claimed to sneak down into the basement during it, she said my mother began to speak a language not of this world in a voice not her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. The Warrens continued to visit the family over the next decade, however their best-intentioned efforts did not alleviate the paranormal activity of the house. Though the family claims that the movie The Conjuring is based on real events that happened to their family, its plot was mainly drawn from consultations with Ed and Lorraine Rowan. Number 7. Hide and Clap In the movie, Hide and Clap is a variation of the classic game Hide and Seek, except it is way, way creepier. In Hide and Clap, the person who is It is blindfolded while everyone else hides. She then claps, and anyone around has to clap in response until someone can be found. In the movie, the blindfolded mother is tormented by Bathsheba Thayer, who repeatedly claps her hands to taunt her. In real life, the girls enjoyed playing hide-and-seek, especially in the warmer weather. During one of their first games of hide-and-seek, about six months after moving into the house, Cindy decided to hide in the woodshed. To make things a little more fun, she climbed into a wood box that had nothing more than a wooden panel covering it. No latch, key, or anything. Once she realised that her sisters weren't going to come after her, she decided to let herself out by pushing the panel up. However, it wouldn't budge. There were no air holes, nothing. Cindy pushed and screamed, hoping that someone would hear her and let her out, but twenty minutes later she realized that no one was coming. She lay there in a pool of sweat and tears when her sister Nancy came and simply opened up the lid. Cindy was hysterical and unable to breathe. Number eight, the haunting continues. The parent family was invited in onto the set for the filming and production of The Conjuring. At first, all of them were willing to go, but just beforehand, Carolyn changed her mind and decided not to attend. Perhaps she was unwilling to dig up the part of her past, but other people in the family needed the opportunity to begin, to find closure and lay it to rest. When the family was visiting the set, Andrea Perrin claims that a rogue came out of nowhere and swept through the facility. It knocked down anything in its path, including cameras, lights and people. The family immediately assumed that the wind was part of what they called Bathsheba's curse. At the same time that the wind blew through, Carolyn fell and broke her hip. Carolyn claimed from her hospital bed that Bathsheba did not want to be exposed. One theory for why the family continued to be haunted by the ghost that tormented them in their farmhouse was that the spirit was connected to the people rather than to the territory. It was willing to leave the farmhouse and unwilling to let go of the family. Number nine The New Occupants Nancy Sutcliffe, who owns the property that the parents used to occupy, is adamant in claiming that the house is absolutely not haunted. She insists that ever since purchasing the property in nineteen eighty seven there have been no paranormal disturbances or supernatural events, not even from the benevolent spirits that visited the parent family shortly after they moved in, which has led her to make attempts to discredit the entire story. There could be several explanations for the current state of affairs. One is that the ghost that terrorised the parents left. They probably didn't go immediately when the parents moved as there are reports that subsequent homeowners who also term- tormented while they were in the house. They may have in some way or another followed the parents throughout their lives because the degree of haunting that they experienced after they left the house was incredibly diminished. Another explanation is that the story of the parents told was false. After all, the movie Conjuring is based more on the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren than on autobiographical evidence presented by the family. However, Andrea Perrin wrote a trilogy, House of Darkness, about their experiences. Another possibility is that the ghost is still present and waiting for the right person to begin haunting again. Number 10. Was it really Bathsheba? The idea that the most malevolent of the spirits at the house, the one torturing and even possessing Carol and Perrin, was the ghost of Bathsheba Thayer, came from Lorraine Warren. Karen had a perfectly concentric wound on her leg that mysteriously appeared about the time that the Warrens began to investigate the haunting. Lorraine saw it and immediately presumed that it was made by Bathsheba Thayer, who was accused of stabbing an infant in the back of the neck as a means of sacrificing the child to Satan. Lorraine claimed that Bathsheba took the knitting needles to her grave and used them in the hauntings. Lorraine's story is based almost entirely on assumption and circumstantial evidence. The people were unable to prove that Bathsheba actually did stab a child with a knitting needle, so it's entirely possible that the crime never even transpired. In fact, there is no historical evidence that such a trial even took place. Additionally, the ghosts never claimed to be the spirit of Bathsheba Thayer, If there indeed was an evil spirit haunting the family, and the family insists that there was, it may have been an unknown entity that was not associated with another person's ghost at all. So, in conclusion, what have we learned? The Perrin family definitely experienced something, but what? Who really knows? The Conjuring film is loosely based on the Perrin family, however more so introduction to the Warrens as opposed to the Perrin family itself. Bathsheba was real, however malevol- malevolent? Unlikely. Malevolent? Unlikely. How do you feel about the parents and their experiences? Are you a believer or merely a sceptic? My name is Ebony, this has been the Film Spark Podcast, and thank you for joining me in Episode 1 of The Conjuring Classics, The Conjuring. Join me for Episode 2 next week, Annabelle, and have a good night.